Hi, my name is Clayton Dozier, and this is Not The Expert. I've been a side hustler for years now, but do you know what? I've never actually made it full time. But when I look around out there, I see so many people killing it with courses and coaching, and I see the next big industry. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring you the people who are the expert to help you go from course creator to having a successful business. Welcome back to Not The Expert. I am Clayton Dozier, and today we have the super amazing, the super awesome Elaine Lung. How are you doing, Elaine? Hey, how you doing, Clayton? I'm well today. Thank you. I'm doing good. So I really appreciate you being here. Mm-hmm. And um, so you gave a cool story of going from uh, the tech world to to speaking and going from not really speaking up for your to being the person that was speaking up, not just for your own work, but for everybody else's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your story and, and your journey there? Sure, I'd love to. Right. Uh, I grew up in a, a family between two boys. So I had a younger brother and an older brother, and I was the daughter in between. And I didn't really have to speak up for myself. I was shy by nature and loved reading books. But I mean, I liked people and and I did a lot of things and my parents always encouraged me to take classes. But, you know, I was like more of the shy on the shy side. So um, when I entered my first speech contest after taking a speech class and, and I thought, you know, I thought it was all that and a bag of chips, I guess. Um, I walked in there a little cocky and it was just humiliating because um the judges don't respond to, like an audience. They just watch you and take notes like you're a science experiment or something. And it wasn't what I expected at all. So I walked out of there thinking, oh, this is humiliating. I hate how this feels. If this is public speaking, I'd never want to feel this way again. So I started to avoid public speaking. And my nature already was to be really hesitant to raise my hand in class, you know, in front and be embarrassed, if you will, in front of everyone. I hated that feeling. So so as a result, I avoided public speaking. And the uh, journey I decided to take was to get an engineering degree and in uh, Ohio. I grew up in, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and then uh, I came out to California in Silicon Valley. I got my first job, my first you know, real job, where I was uh, I, I'm on my own, an adult, got my own place. And I avoided public speaking. So there were plenty of opportunities to speak up at my company, but I avoided them all because, you know, I was going to let my work do the talking for me. My work was going to say it all. And that I thought it was working pretty well. And, and I was uh, on the weekend, I was like an adventurer. I would go skydiving. I got a motorcycle. I did a motorcycle tour overseas in, in uh, New Zealand. I went trekking in Nepal. You know, I was doing all these adventurous things, backpacking and just enjoying life in California. And then at work, I was afraid of public speaking and I was letting my work do the talking. So one day my boss called me in his office to fire me and uh, I didn't know he was going to fire me. I just sat there like, oh, now he's he's heard my work. Now I'm going to get promoted. And then he said, uh, well, you know, we really need someone who can communicate, someone who can be a leader, and we're letting you go. So that's that ended, and I was thinking, what? Didn't my, you know, wasn't my work doing the talking? Well, 
uh, I went and got another job at another engineering uh, company in Silicon Valley. And I thought for sure they were going to listen here. This, this company was different. They were going to hear my work. And uh, what happened right away there, Clayton, was at my first group meeting, one of the guys in the team I joined leaned over and he said, hey, Elaine, we've got a public speaking club here. It's called Toastmasters. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to avoid that. All they do is do public speaking. But uh, long story short, he was very uh, uh, convincing and dragged me to the meeting. I did uh, what's called the table topic where you answer a question impromptu. The audience clapped and I thought, wow, this is a lot different than that, you know, horrible speech contest. I kind of like the the way people respond here. So that started me on my journey to start speaking up in that club. And I kept coming back every week and enjoying the meetings and baby stepping along and learning more and more. And then still outside though, the club, I was not speaking up. And then one day my new boss at this company called me into our office and said, you know, uh, some people here say I should put you on a PIP and that that's not good. That's a performance improvement plan. And I was thinking, well, uh, why don't you just fire me straight out? <laughs> and, and, and she's like, but I'm not going to do that. And uh, I'm going, I saw what you've done at Toastmasters because she had been in the club for a little while. And she said, I'm hearing about what you're doing in Toastmasters and you just need to do more of that outside of Toastmasters at your job. So I did, and I started speaking up in my team, and then I started speaking up, you know, outside of my team to other teams, with other teams, leading projects, and, you know, assuming that communication and leadership skills that I was learning at Toastmasters. And, and then uh, one day, my, the team, I was on won a prize. So they asked me to speak at the big meeting in front of the department, and uh, long story short, I got up and I did that. I said, thank you, you know, handed out the awards and um, talked about their work. And then everyone clapped. And it was really, it was just such a, a peak experience compared to the Big Valley experience at the contest. And and uh, it was it was as exhilarating to me as any adventure I'd done. You know, the adrenaline, the payoff with them clapping and just feeling really great about being able to speak up for people in front and, and, you know, compliment them and thank them. And just that feeling of team camaraderie. And, uh, the, as I walked out of there, another employee who wasn't on my team came up and said, I wish someone would speak up for my work. Like you spoke up for your team's work. And, um, it just struck me. It was people want recognition. You know, people want to be thanked. They like working. They enjoy it. They want their work to matter and they just want some recognition and thanks. It means a lot. That struck me. And uh, I was so grateful to hear that impact that I'd, my words had made and that she had spoken up. And just at that point, it just, you could just see, you know, you have a peak experience with the speech. It feels great. People tell you your words matter. It's amazing. And uh, that was an experience I'll never forget. And I, Really, that's why I love public speaking, because I'm able to do that now. So that's quite a, quite a, quite a journey from where I started. That, that, so that's a huge transformation, really, from being the, for lack of a better word, the girl who didn't want to speak up and wanted to hide away to, you know, standing. What I, what I imagine 
is probably a pretty decent sized corporation in, in speaking to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there were easily a hundred people in the room. Yeah, it was the entire department. And one of the meetings where you get together every quarter and they update you on what's going on. And so it was a big group of people, the kind of group that I would have been terrified to speak to when I came to that company. And, sure. and, mm-hmm. and it's like a highly, it was, I imagine a pretty highly educated group of people too, right? It's a pretty scary group usually to talk yeah. to. <laughs> right. Right. Silicon Valley tech people. So yeah, they're from all over the world. Uh, highly educated and the executives were in the room too. It was everybody for the all hands. So it's just um, really, you know, people may say that public speaking is a soft skill and right. Have you heard of that? Absolutely. Right. I think it's a critical life skill because if you're able to stand up and get what's in your head out to come out your mouth and look competent, sound competent, where you can deliver a message that people understand. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's where you make an impact. That is where it makes an impact for you personally. You feel better. You're able to be empowered and ask for what you need and want and motivate people and inspire them and, and uh, get, uh, you know, get the work to move in the right direction. And also to bring people together and uh, create a team and be able to keep that team together. So public speaking is really key, I think, to self-empowerment, feeling good about yourself, self-confidence, as well as, of course, working for someone else or working for yourself and getting your ability to produce and be productive at your work life. So uh, a question then. So for someone that is maybe in that situation where you started, where they were not at all willing to speak up, um, and the idea of it is just terrible, I don't know where to start. What would what would you recommend? Is mm-hmm. is there like one, two, three things, or whatever you would you would recommend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, to understand first off that you're not special. <laughs> You're not alone. It's a lot of people who feel just like you. It's common. It's normal, if you will. Most people don't like it. But think about it this way. Was What else did you learn or need to learn or, or felt like you had to learn or didn't enjoy at first, but you learned? It's Public speaking is the same way. It's just a skill. It's just another skill. And if you can take the emotion out of it, and if you will, if you have high expectations for yourself, as in, well, I'm good at this, and I can talk about this, but I'm afraid to do it in front of a group of people, that's that's normal. Accept that. Accept where you are at the, with the beginner's mindset. That helps a lot to just say, I'm where I am. It's okay. Right. And then once you get to that point, the desire to actually try and do something about it (laughs) to say, okay, what feels comfortable? What could I try to do today to work on this a little bit? And for me, it was to get into an environment where there were people who were smiling back at me, who applauded my smallest attempt, who encouraged me if I uh, 
tried anything and if I fail, if you will, you know, fell on my face in front of the audience to pick me back up and dust me off and say, yeah, you can do this, you know? So that was Toastmasters. So some, some environment that supports you, I would say it probably isn't work, <laughs> probably not your work team. That wouldn't be a supportive place, but a place, um, where you feel the support and you could try thing, try these skills and learn, and then have that learning environment too. A class is, is usually a good place to start too. So those things, if you can find those things or <laughs> motivate yourself to go find those things, that is a great first step. And the other thing is, if you can make it fun in some way, like uh, when, think of it this way, when I went skydiving, it's really pretty frightening, but I didn't try to do it by myself. I guess some people do the 3000 foot static line, whatever, where you don't need a jump master, but I wanted, I was, I wanted to try it once. So I went for the 10,000 foot jump with the jump master. And that means you're basically clipped to another human who has the parachute. So you've got to trust that person. They tell you how to walk out of the plane. You grab the strut, you hang on, they tap you on the shoulder, you let go. And then they basically steer you down to the ground and pull the chute. So uh, that's what I elected to do. But I didn't try to do it all myself the first time. <laughs> when I went, uh, when I bought a motorcycle, I went and took the motorcycle safety class here in California um, before, and uh, you know, before I um, went on a road trip. So when I went trekking, I hired some, a team, I hired, I went on a tour, you know, there were Sherpa guides who took us up the mountain there. You just need help to get through these things. And all of those adventures I considered fun. I felt a lot of, uh, it built, they built my self-confidence, right? I felt stronger because of them. I had a lot of joy doing them. So the parallel I'm drawing here is that public speaking can be the same way in the right atmosphere with the right guide. I love that. So, so on the technical side of things, are, are there sort of like principles that you do or that you teach or anything mm -hmm. to someone who's just, just starting to speak? Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> I do. I, I teach public speaking uh, every week I have classes running through the year of spring and fall and in the summer. And when I teach them, there's a curriculum we follow. And generally we start with the basics. And I like to have the students get up and just start talking right away. So what I try to do is we start talking about ourselves because we know that topic the best. So when you start talking about yourself, you can kind of relax just go with it, flow with it. And then we can get into some of the, the principles around like, this is how you structure a speech. This is how you would deliver, right? Eye contact, body posture, how you move your hands and your body to enhance your speech instead of detract or distract from it. And then what are you talking about? Is it well-structured? Does it flow logically? Is it clear? Right. All those components go in, go, those, those are the three major components, how it's structured, the bones, if you will, the content, the flesh over the bones, and then how it's delivered, which would you'd think of as the animation of the body, you know, how it moves, talks, sounds, breathes, 
that those three things make a speech. So we, we cover that in the class. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. So, um, so what, so, okay, so let me get my head around this real quick. So mm-hmm. you were working at a job and mm-hmm. so what caused you to say, do you know, I'm done with the All right. Probably the, the lifestyle, which became pretty grueling, uh, being a project manager in IT at a Silicon Valley company, what that meant, and this is really before, I mean, India was starting to, when I left that job, India was starting to come online as a major place for customer support, but the engineering uh, centers weren't quite there yet. And what that meant was uh, there were small offices over there, but the IT was pretty much being run from from this, the headquarters, which happened to be here in, in uh, Silicon Valley. So somebody, whenever we rolled out something like uh, we encrypted all the hard drives or, um, you know, some other project that affected all the, the PC or laptop equipment in the whole company, um, they would run it out of uh, one place. So somebody had to be the project manager. And that meant checking in with Asia at midnight when you could get Japan through India, (laughs) checking in with Europe and uh, Africa and the Middle East when you, you know, seven in the morning. And uh, because then you had to like get everybody from uh, Europe to the end of the day in Europe over to the West coast. So it, it, it was grueling at the uh, crunch times. And then, uh, well, then it's done. And uh, IT is kind of a commodity at companies. It's not like the engineering brains, right, which are highly, highly valued because that's where the new ideas and the new products come from. So I'd say the contrast is is that, okay, you're that's done, great. Oh, well, we don't have another job for you, so I guess we'll see you later. You know, <laughs> it, honestly, project management and IT is is a support, it's infrastructure and it's key. Without it, you don't, the lights, you know, things don't work so well. Um, but uh, that's that's the corporate lifestyle. So, and in Silicon Valley, that's kind of how things, how things roll. So um, it doesn't, you know, it's, I guess it's not personal, but it sure feels personal <laughs> when you're laid off. Really? Yeah. And I talk about a couple of those in my speech and, um, you know, when I'm talking about it, I, w- I want to show you that I'm okay now. You know, I, I probably shouldn't have been so optimistic that my work was going to do the talking for me, but you could see that now and we can laugh at it together. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, at the time that it happened, no, I it didn't feel good at all. I don't want to diminish that, but we get through it and we move forward, right? I mean, I'm sure there's things in your life that you've had to roll through and accept and then as time goes on, you, you look back and you think, well, that was kind of good because that, that ended, that job ended. I was able to take this other job or start this other opportunity. And I like this a lot better than the old job, but I didn't, I couldn't have seen it at the time. Sure. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, I care who said it about burning the ships, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. life burns the ships for us. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. Or, or I was thinking more like, you know, the door shuts, a window opens. So, right. Sure. Yeah, there you, good, way, how you want to think? <laughs> same idea. 
Right. And yeah. burning the ships is great because that that's about commitment. That's about saying, look, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm not going back that way anymore. And, and that's a key component too, of accepting change and moving, moving forward through it. Even if you don't really know uh, where the end is, at least you can take the next step. Right. And, and I have a question. Um, so, I mean, you went skydiving, you did all this stuff. I mean, you hired a team of sh- to, to take you on this trek. Um, so what it sounds like is you probably were doing pretty well though. Was that like a struggle for you? Was that like a, a kind of thing that kept you or, or made you like kind of duck, second guess like leaving or uh, yeah. You know, when I moved out here, I decided to spend a certain amount of my um, income on like, in is saving for retirement, you know, the, the saving for retirement is in savings yeah. and a certain amount, a certain percentage would go towards housing and, and the rest I'd use, you know, I, I would accumulate. So yeah, you know, Silicon Valley engineering jobs are highly desired for the salaries. So yes, that's true, but, or rather, and instead of trying to live, you know, spend it as I earned it, I prioritized these, uh, instead of things, experiences. Does that make sense, Clayton? You know what I mean? So, So to me, it was more important to take a trip rather than to buy a new car. Yeah, for sure. You should have seen my car. (laughs) I drove. Let me me rephrase my question. Something I asked that. Okay. Um, so talking about communication and speaking, I guess I need to work on that. Um, what I was asking is, so like last night I was talking to someone who had, before she started her business, she had, um, a situation where she had a pretty good paying job. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a point where it's hard for her to move away from the job and into the business with leaving behind that, that really good salary. And so I, that was my question is, was it really the salary behind or, or when it sound maybe the salary already kind of left you behind and then you. You transition so. You mean was that a to um, to transition to to your own business from oh, from oh, okay. to my own business. Okay, got it. To my own business. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I see what you're saying. Well, when yeah, leaving corporate, I I didn't have a choice. They laid me off, and I was like, okay, good. You know, I was ready. Um to leave that job. Oh, <laughs> I was and I wasn't, you know what I mean? That right. feeling when you leave, you're like, what? And then you're like, oh, how could they? And then, oh, oh well, all right. And then you start to accept that. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's something else better down the line. And I didn't, I mean, I went to the outsourcing and everything and it was a downtime at the time. Things were, thing jobs were, scarce. And it was an economic downturn at the time. It was, uh, um, what, what happened is I went to the job search place. I got involved with, um, you know, the teams there and interviewing skills and networking skills and everything. And I, I, I enjoyed talking to people, you know, doing like a trainer role. And this was before I started my business. I was taking care of some family stuff in Ohio. So I spent 
time I would just go back there for weeks or a month, had that flexibility. And what was happening as I was transitioning is the idea of not being corporate. I think that was harder than thinking about the salary, leaving the salary behind. Um, my husband was working and he was supported what I was doing. So, um, and again, you know, we just didn't try to buy things we didn't need to impress people we didn't need to impress. You know, we sort of <laughs> kind of live in a, a lifestyle where we valued travel and experiences more than stuff. So leaving the corporate salary behind. Yeah. I think at this point though, the harder challenge is what do I do? And okay, how do I make this into a business? <laughs> I love it so much. I can't believe people will pay me. What? They'll pay me more. Really? You know, that kind of, thinking. So, uh, changing that corporate, the corporate mindset is I'm going to sit here and you're going to pay me. Yay. You know, entrepreneurs, you gotta really think a lot more, I think, and, uh, be more actively engaged in what is happening, what you're doing, how you're spending your time and what else is good, what else is out there so that you can take advantage of it. I, I, that's what I find. It's a different kind of production. Yes. It's uh, like the meta side of production, the side that most people see or think about. We're, we're so conditioned, I think this, you know, goes to the and get your paycheck. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> agreed. And you really don't know the big picture. Right. Of right. the corporation, what it's doing, all the impact it's having, what's really, yeah, what else is going on. Yeah. Right. I all agree. the moving pieces in life. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's just that's kind of. I think trans. I think some people take to it more naturally than others. To that moving away from like that the process, mm-hmm. um, and it it just it's interesting. So many people that like went into you know started their own business and like the thing one of the things that really got them was like not being able to get out of that mindset, not being able to get their heads around like yeah, like you got to hunt every day, like yes. <laughs> You're right. And that's a great point. And the other, the other way I would say it is that you're on all the time. Your business is always on. So good. I have to be ready. If a potential client comes my way, right. I have to be ready to talk to them. And if a phone call comes in, it's not like, it's not an eight to five thing anymore. It's like when you own your own business, it's on all the time. Yeah. That's really kind of one of the important parts, you know, building a team and stuff inevitably, right, is mm-hmm. how long you on all the time. Right. As a solopreneur, how do you see that there's hope that you're going to make it at the end, you know, so you don't burn out? So there's a question I have for you then in regards to that. Where do you see your, your business going? Do you see you staying on like a solopreneur and or building out a team and a a framework and stuff around it all or or where where do you see Hmm. that's a great question Clayton I think at this point I'm building a coaching business and and uh, speaking spill speaking skills expertise business uh, as a consultant so just being a solopreneur and building it up now my my base is these teaching these classes that I've been teaching 
which have been great for just getting things together and getting things moving in the right direction. And I'm branching out more to working with uh, corporations and associations and working with them uh, with classes and workshops and consulting as well. So going forward, scaling that up. And I think at this point, I'm okay keeping it on the smaller side rather than mm -hmm. seeing this as being a big empire where I have 20 employees or some such thing. I, I really am motivated and passionate about helping people who are hesitant, afraid to speak up, getting them through that fear and helping them to see that they can do this. So that is uh, working one-on-one -on -one is pretty much what I'm doing now. And then scaling that up would be the next thing to do with classes and uh, something online. So uh, that's a, <laughs> did that answer your question? Yes, it did. <laughs> um, so have you had any corporate clients and stuff yet? Or mm -hmm. are you Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have. They, they had me come in and we did a uh, improv workshop to, in other words, um, so I keep talking about improv. I don't think I defined it. Yeah. Imp yeah. Improv is short for improvisational theater skills. And that means doing a play. An improv theater is a theater where you'd walk in. It looks like a theater. There's actors on stage, but they make things up as they go along without a script. They look at each other and they get a suggestion from the audience and they look at each other and they play off each other and listen and respond to each other and create a scene out of out of, uh, if you, it's not nothing, it's, they're not creating something out of nothing because that is, might be said, you might hear that. What they're doing is they're creating something out of their, the experience that each of them has had as an individual, uh, whatever experience they have together, whatever they've learned, whatever they're hearing now in the audience and in that moment, it's all, all of that comes into play. It's like jazz improvisation any improvisation, you create it based on your experience and your knowledge and your intelligence and what you know, the information you have at the time. So improv is about that. Now, why is it so, why do I keep talking about it? Because when I was, like I said, I was shy. I'm an introvert, I believe by, that's my, where I gravitate towards more. I like people, but after I'm with people for a while, I need to go recharge. You know, um, I get energy from, I need to go recharge my energy. So that said, improv helped me in this way. When I got over my fear of public speaking in Toastmasters, I had a, let's see, I would say my biggest challenge was the impromptu speaking. Impromptu speaking, where they ask you a question, you stand up in front of the whole room and answer it. And I thought, well, let's, I enjoyed this show called Comedy Sports. Have you heard of it? Comedy no. Sports? Okay. It's an improv theater here in San Jose in Silicon Valley. And they had adult classes. I, I enjoyed, what they do is they, they have shows every weekend and they have, if you will, two teams, the red team and the blue team, and they get on stage and they do competitive improv where they do games and they get scored by an umpire and it's a show. Okay. It's not a real sports 
I'm, 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 I shouldn't say that, right? Uh, because that's their secret, but it's a show. So they're, they have these teams competing against each other and it's fun. It's, they're doing improv together uh, and it's fun. So I always liked that. And they had adult classes and I thought, wow, I'd love to learn some of these games. Again, really scary, but fun, right? Here we go. This environment, I could learn from these people. So, so I went and took their adult series of classes. And then as a result of that, it helped my confidence on stage. It helped with just standing on stage in front of a lot of eyeballs looking at you, a lot of people looking at you and thinking, you know, if anything happens or if I can, I feel confident asking them a question or if something happens on stage that's uh, difficult or weird or the fire alarm goes off, right? Or someone falls over or trips, I feel like I could handle it. I, I have some, I have this improbability to observe and then respond in the moment. So that's why improv is so helpful on stage uh, in public speaking and communication. It just gives you that confidence in the moment. So, so to bring this back to the, the workshops, when I go to a client and we do a workshop, it's about communication and improv. So we're bringing out the principles of improv, the mindset, listening, making your partner look good, saying yes to the situation, which means I see what's going on. It doesn't mean I agree with everything, but I accept that this is the reality. And I will add to it with my own creativity and build it toward the goal it's going. So all of that is part of improv and it's key to communication. It's key to teams, creative thinking. So when uh, I would, I would go in, uh, I can go in and do a workshop with a, a group on that at uh, corporate. So it's fun. It stretches people. It makes them laugh and it also teaches. So it's uh that's a popular uh, workshop. I've done that for realtors at an association. So yeah. And many, many Toastmaster groups, which are Silicon Valley professionals from all over the place. <laughs> and in some of their, some of the companies here, the high tech companies around here too. Uh, can you go to the Capitol and teach our politicians? That? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be great. Hey, everybody, team, get along. <laughs> Let's fix things. But anyway, so um, uh, so what are some of the uh, the principles of improv? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll give you three. The one of the key ones, usually the one people start with, it, it's just kind of like what I was saying. With you know, if your mind, if you, it's 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 a mindset. So just like public speaking, if you can accept. If you get your mind wrapped around, you are where you are, you can start your journey to better public speaking in improv. If you can accept the mindset of improv, which is yes. And so you're saying, yes, I'm on stage. You know, you, you're observing what's going around you. You see, you hear, you're using all your senses. You, you're acknowledging that what is happening is really happening. Okay. Um, and then you're saying the and part is I'm going to bring, I'm going to participate. I'm going to bring my creativity, my intelligence, my knowledge, my abilities, all of that. I'm going to bring it to the situation here because in improv, we're assuming we're creating a scene for the audience. So every scene would have a goal. You know, we're trying to get somewhere with this scene, trying to uh, really genuine human connection. 
happening in the scene and then you can have an entertaining, uh, to entertain the audience. So with the yes and attitude, if you can bring that into any communication, you're really listening to what's going on. You're saying, okay, I, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing you say this. I'm seeing you. I'm listening. You're really tuned into what's going on. So, and then you're saying, okay, I'm going to bring something to this to help move the situation forward, to add to it, to make things yeah, hopefully better. <laughs> so let's contrast that to what wouldn't be a, an improv attitude. That would be saying yes, but. Anyone ever say yes, but to you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when you propose Absolutely. an idea? Yeah, it, mm -hmm. it feels great. <laughs> it feels great. Yeah, with, with lots of dashes of sarcasm in that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I was going to say that's sarcasm, right? Exactly. And yes, but is really reality. Yes, Clayton, that sounds great, but it won't work because, right? The boss will say no. No, my kids will never agree to that. No, my wife will say no. My husband will say no. No, never will work because blah, 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 right? So they're just shooting it down. It's the equivalent of saying no. So, uh, the other ways people ignore what you say, uh, if or I'm sorry, let's say if if I were to come in a situation and ignore what someone said, that would be another way to say yes, but, or not say yes and, uh, to ignore, to change the subject, right? Any there's different ways to block it, but the point of improv is that you go in, you say yes and, and you're fully present and fully there and trying to move things forward. So that's really the key mindset to making it work on stage when you're creating a scene with another player whatever they say you accept they they say they walk on stage with you clayton and they say you're a 12 year old girl you say yes and you know i want <laughs> i want a pony right um right. you 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 really go and you make a bold choice with that so that's the kind of thing that the audience they're like okay now now she wants a pony and her dad, you know, has to deal with that. So you're the yes and attitude brought into any communication situation. It's amazingly powerful. It's simple. I wouldn't say it's easy. It takes energy, effort, and attention. And it is amazingly powerful. Um, for example, uh, one of um, the engineers at Cisco, I we did a workshop for them. Cisco Systems, and the engineer got back to me, and she said, I went into a difficult conversation with my boss, right? One of those. And she brought that yes and attitude. It was kind of sh uh, shortly after the workshop. And I'm not saying that she sat there and said yes and every time the boss, you know, demanded something or whatever, but she had that mental attitude of thinking, okay, yes, this is really happening. And how can I add my creativity to it, my ideas, my energy to move this forward to the goal? And sh that shift in her mindset changed the whole interaction for the better. And she was so impressed by that that she actually got back to me and told me that. So it's, it's very powerful what that mindset can do for you. That's a key. That's one key component. The other, okay. yeah, another key component, just briefly, is listening, really listening, 
to what your partner is saying. And people don't do that <laughs> naturally. Most people are listening so that they can uh, make a comment, add their two cents. So listening is another key component. And then uh, the other idea is to walk into like a difficult conversation or an interaction with someone you don't know and consider them instead of an adversary, a partner. And how can you make them look good? How can you set them up for success? Because when you extend that kind of grace to the other person, then uh, both of you look good and they tend to want to reciprocate too. So that, that those are key elements to making a scene work in improv. And those are key things that anyone could do in any communication interaction they would have to uh, bring improv to it, but to their benefit and to the benefit of the other person as well. Awesome. So uh, just kind of a quick recap. So you want to have the yes and mentality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you need to actually listen. Mm -hmm. And then you need to come into it as, uh, as being cooperative, not, uh, not adversarial. Yes. I, and that's called making your partner look good. So your setting partner. them up for success and in, in, in an, in an, and in an improv acting situation, that would be giving them a line or a situation, something they can work with and run with. It's something that's easy to play with so that they can create something and hand it back to you. And then you're, you're playing, it's, it's that playing along idea instead of trying to go in and just shoot them down and saying, ha, you know, you're dead, do something with that, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, right. So, um, meaning, meaning the character has no choices, right? They, they're dead they, or they, uh, <laughs> they have to think up everything on their own and try and offer it back to you. And you're like, nope, don't like that idea either. You know? So in other words, that playful attitude and playing in the terms of, um, like I think you said cooperation and trying to solve the problem together, if you will, instead of just, Hey, try this. And the other person's like, no, try this. No, try this. No. And uh, that's a scene that's not going anywhere. No one's enjoying watching it and no one's enjoying being in it either. <laughs> so, right. so in, in a professional setting, that seems like a very good way to take someone who maybe is a pain in the ass mm -hmm. and make them into like your best cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think we might. All right. So what I was going to say is taking this kind of idea in front of a, anal, uh, what do you want to say? Very analytical, very, mm, what do you want to say? People who deal with data and, and objects and numbers, engineers, very logical. Yeah they can find ways to manipulate it and uh, anyone can do uh, what, you know, I don't want to just say it's engineers. Anyone can find a way to manipulate this and use it um, without the true intent. The intent is an, an intent of cooperation. Sure. It's not always going to be that case in corporate. I understand, right? Sometimes you've got to uh, negotiate or there, there's situations where it wouldn't work so well. You can't be that way. But there are other situations where we can use this. And even, even like that engineer who walked into the difficult situation, 
whenever you have a difficult conversation, when you're dreading it, when you're thinking, oh, this is just going to not go well, right? Maybe someone on your team, maybe uh, someone in your house, uh, a child, a uh, spouse. Why not try this? Just that that changing uh, that shift of mindset and seeing what happens. I think sometimes you need to really try it to see the power of it. And Absolutely. it would be, it's something you have full control over. And by listening, accepting, and people appreciate being deeply listened to and then having their thoughts acknowledged. And not that they all, not that everything they say has to be accepted without question. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there to be acknowledged and heard, that can really open someone up to you, connect with you, and then you'll start being heard and listened to. And you don't have to agree with someone to hear them. Correct. Right. They just and acknowledge they, that they feel what they feel. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm, I bet you've heard that before somewhere. <laughs> you right this isn't exactly it's not rocket science it's not new it's just another way of saying it improv is just another way of saying things we we already know but the nice thing about it is it's fun you know doing the exercises and the games it makes it fun um so, so i kind of want actually there's just two things i want to touch on one one before we move on from that is is you said something about how uh an analytical person or really anybody could take it and sort of manipulate it mm -hmm. and to me, like it's just the same thing like leadership, right? The difference between a, a leader and a leader is a person is the person's intent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the intent we come from, like, what is? Uh, am I trying to do some selfish thing? Am I trying to use this as leverage over this person to to get them to do what I want them to do without any without any concern for for them or their well being, or only concerned with being? Or is it that I really want to create a positive situation for as many people? and create the best outcome possible yeah and i think that's the difference that is really well stated yeah clayton i agree i agree it's um a leader who would care more about it's not just all they're not just managing to stay in power or to to just right, minimize their risk they're there to make it better for everyone and really lead toward a goal that benefits everyone. And this has to do with uh, listening and, and balancing all of that together. I agree. That's actually super. I was going to, that brings me to the other thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, so how do we like truly listen? You brought up listening a few times. So how do, how do we really like listen okay. properly? Mm -hmm. Well, it's difficult because we've all, wow. You know, if you just sit quietly there's always something running through your mind, the thoughts. It's hard to sit just quietly because what are you missing out on, right? My phone is right here. Oh no, what's what am I missing out on? The screen, the screen is always calling us, if you will. And I think it's really driving some people a little crazy, maybe all of us crazy. <laughs> so how do you like, listening is about turning that off and really being present with the other person and focusing on what they say. And one, okay, so for example, one improv exercise we do, it's called last word first. So you'll say a sentence and your last word is my first word. 
So if I have to wait all the way to the last word before I can say my first word, it means I can't make up an answer while you're talking. I have to wait till you're done. We could do this right now if you want to try it. Sure, let's do it. Okay, so we could have a conversation. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about pineapple. Pineapple. All right. Now the the game is, we'll go back and forth a few times. So whatever your last word is, is my first word. And we're going to have a conversation about this for, uh, what do you want to try, a minute? A minute and a half? Two minutes? Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about pineapple. And uh, before we go uh, get started, name a location anywhere in the galaxy. Um, Cincinnati. Okay. Pineapple, Cincinnati, and um, good. Let's go. All right. Go ahead and start us off. Um, I really like to eat apples in the morning. Morning and evening are my preferred times to eat pineapple. Um, pineapples, for some reason, seem to taste better in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio? Well, I've been to Cincinnati, Ohio, and I think it's just a lovely city full of people. People tell me that um, they really like put uh, pineapples in with their watermelon. Watermelon flavored water is not my favorite, but pineapple flavored water, I could see drinking occasionally. Um, occasionally, I like to just drink water by itself. That sounds really crazy, but it's just something that um, I find makes me like the day. Day after day, I find myself chopping up pineapple, Clayton, chopping up watermelon into chunks, and then I drop them into this big pitcher of water. Water is so important to maintain your health. Uh, people just are never hydrated as much as they should be. Um, what do you think about hydration? Hydration is key to a strong, clear voice for a speaker. Speaker, huh? So how is it that hydration impacts a speaker's voice? Voice is a key instrument of a speaker, of course. Hydration keeps everything smooth and strong. Strong is very important. I think that a lot of times we get hung up on it, but we forget how important it is to, to keep our bodies healthy and strong uh, to maintain our vitality. Vitality is the spice of life. <laughs> life is we've good. Done, yeah, we've done two minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Do some Alex. I knew we were done. <laughs> and life is good. Good job, Clayton. Yay. Celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. So, so that's how you, that's one thing about listening to, to get people just to stop, to ignore the, 
you know, the way you call it, the train of noise in your head, the inner voice that, and just really listen to the other person and connect. And there's many listening exercises like that, that just raise your awareness of first off how you're listening is, <laughs> do you, did you think you were listening better than you were, right? And what are you oh, listening yeah. by listening, right? So, yeah. Uh, I What I find interesting is kind of reflecting on that now with this is I need to be in a situation to like ask you questions and prompt you things and, and maybe move things kind of along and maybe like try and focus some things. It, it's, it's that crucial balance of uh, what am I going to ask next and where is this conversation going? Versus like what she actually saying and like paying attention and being aware. So it's like this multi thing for our situation where it's like, I kind of got to do both. And that's, this is probably mm -hmm. the things that I've been working on as an interviewer lately is not deciding too early when to ask or say next, but also being aware of what I need to ask or say next for the, for the arcing story we're telling basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that That's, I, I love that you just related that to interviewing. Yeah, exactly. And probably you find the more interviews you do, the more you intentionally practice this listening, the better you get at it. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah, or the, easier it, the easier it becomes, or you feel like you're catching more of what they're saying, what your interviewee is saying in the moment. It's funny, because back in like, uh, I think 2012, uh, I've been out, of the, been out of the military for a couple of years, and I was in college, and um, an English class, we had to interview somebody and write a paper around it. And it's not like the idea of interviewing would be cool, but for whatever reason, I didn't like want to put in like the effort and stuff of like becoming an interviewer at that time. And uh, um, I, I was doing a lot of, of networking and stuff, like kind of skipping forward. And, and a couple of years ago, I was doing like this like one on one with somebody I'd met through at a networking event. And uh, Basically, it's my whole thing is in those situations, I just ask people a lot of questions about themselves. That's really like my my big thing. And at the end, the lady's like, well, a really good interviewer. And I don't know if I really was or if she just like felt good about because like, you know, just asked her a bunch of questions about herself. But that that's sort of like, I don't know if that really adds anything to this, but like where I come from, from a lot of it is. Mm -hmm. It's just that curiosity about who are you? What's your story? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, people love talking about themselves. you I think you've discovered and you are discovering and you know. So asking the right questions and getting them to open up about themselves so that they'll talk, then they'll say, oh, Clayton's the best interviewer ever. And you're, I don't know, you might sit back and think, well, I just, you did all the talking. I just asked the questions. <laughs> so, sure. so yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, listened yeah. and listened. Well, that's one thing I'm kind of, grateful for is that I've always been kind of the person that people like to open up to anyway like it's just always been. So I don't know what it is about I me mean, I have to toot my own horn just talking about you know I just want to talk about the process of, of interviewing about, mm -hmm. about me but yeah it's interesting that you bring up getting people to to open up because a lot of times it when you do come somebody start asking them questions about themselves like there there's one of two responses is they start moving their mouth and they love you a lot or they close down and they you know, kind of withdrawal within themselves. So it's, it's sometimes how you, I guess, present it and come off when you ask people about themselves, how they respond. Mm -hmm. And that person too, like how, you know, how are they? Because to be honest, and here on my part, 
is one of the reasons too, in the beginning I asked people a lot about is because I didn't want to talk about myself as much. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was one, I, I was already aware that people like when they talk about themselves and two is because it was, it was kind of defensive on my part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as you built your confidence with that or okay so you're defensive but then did you learn something as you listened and then that built your confidence that you really didn't have to be so defensive that it would be okay to speak up more um it was a little different than that i think it was a little bit more of a bunch of things that added up that made me realize like i needed to be more vulnerable that's i'm working on which is the one of my selfish reasons for bringing up the subject um but uh, I think a lot of what it was is um, there was a point in my life where I kind of had to be like the rock for a lot of people. And I, I kind of put on a mask of like sort of being like the the strong person. And so anytime like something that kind of felt like maybe it was going to put a chip at that or maybe a little bit, I got uncomfortable. And uh, I moved around a lot as a kid. And when I learned it, I don't know if I realized this as consciously as I do now, but one of the things I learned is like, being that person of mystery is like kind of like a cool thing and kind of a kind of a thing that that people like about you. So I always kind of maintain a little air of show all of my cards all the time. And so I think I had a, like a lot of things in my life that kind of compounded that made me this person that always held my cards close to my chest. And I realized with just in the past like year or so that you know I really got to start showing the cards more. Want to go? Hmm. Yeah, that's good insight. I think yeah, it sounds like you're uh, you're developing these this as you go along, which is how life happens, right? We build the plane as we fly. So good for you. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, but but yeah, that's just that's kind of and so I do want to ask something a very very big question. Where is it we can get more of you? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you can go to elainelung.com. That's my website. And that's where I have a blog and you can give me a call. You can get on my calendar and we can have a chat uh, about what uh, you're looking for in a coach or in a workshop, or I can come talk to your group and we can see if I'm a fit, but I, I'm here to help people who are, they think maybe they're an introvert or they're having a challenge around public speaking. And it might even be that it's just due to fear that you know that you need somebody to guide you along. You need a Sherpa guide to get up the mountain and I've climbed it. So I have a few steps ahead. <laughs> I can share with you what I know and, and help make it a lot more easy and fun. So elainelung.com and I've got uh, my phone numbers up there, my email. So that's, that's the place. Awesome. So <laughs> elainelung.com. Yeah. And then did you have any final like questions or, 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 or comments or anything that you, you feel like need to be shared? Mm-hmm. We shared a lot. And in, in, in summary, people fear public speaking. It's natural. 
I don't know what your little inner voice is telling you. And yes, you have a little inner voice. We always, we all do. It's the one that's saying right now, no, I don't. I don't talk to you. Yeah, you do. Everybody has that inner voice. And if that inner voice is telling you it's safer to be quiet, let your work speak for you, I'd invite you to challenge that. <laughs> and just be aware too, that if you avoid a fear, it doesn't make it go away. It's going to be there. So to find a way to address that fear, challenge it in a fun way with an environment that supports you, I encourage you to find that. If it's a pal, a buddy, a club, Toastmasters, if it's a coach, there's plenty of help out there. And if you feel pain around public speaking and the fear of it, you do not have to feel that any longer than you desire. <laughs> there's plenty of help out there. So that's what I encourage people to do. Solve that problem. I oh, love it. oh, and why? Because, okay, and why? Your life will be more joyful. You'll have, you'll feel more empowered when you walk into situations or when Clayton, when it, when Clayton interviews you, uh, <laughs> you'll just feel more empowered, more joyful and, and just have more confidence. Uh, so you'll, I think you'll enjoy life a whole lot more if you feel confidence around being able to speak up for yourself. And speaking up for others, too. Absolutely. Imagine what life could be if you could be masterful at letting people know what's on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and fun, too. It's fun. All right, Elaine. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's great to be here, Clayton. Thank you for asking me. And I had a great time talking and getting to know you a little better, too. It was great. We'll have to do it again. All right. Right on. All right. Well, thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time.